The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that armadillos were featured prominently in the 1928 Disney film Steamboat Dilly? They were later taken out because the Armadillo Civil Liberties Union determined that it was too racist, and they even forced Disney to change the name to Steamboat Willie. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. For more armadillo facts and to unlock bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash armadillo podcasting club. Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapter the prologue of Lord <laughs> of Chaos. <laughs> Just the prologue. Because it's really long. Yeah. Previously, both Lanfear and Moraine are either trapped in another dimension or melted into a puddle of portal goo. We're not sure yet. Uh, Nynaeve leased herself a Forsaken. Rand uses dragon powers to drop an army on Robin's doorstep, but accidentally triggers some sort of trap that kills pretty much all of his bros. So Rand's all like, Vengeance Rampage! And goes after Robin on his own. Uh, he's having a pretty rough go of it being turned into like some kind of dream dog. But then Nynaeve turns up with her wizard battery and distracts Robin long enough to for Rand to blast him with a dragon-sized dose of Balefire, which, as we know, solves all of our problems. <laughs> Including... Bringing his friends back to life. I mean, Balefire just, it can't, there's nothing it can't do. <laughs> oh, and also Asmodian gets himself killed, but Rand gets himself a new general, so that's good, I guess. And there are a whole bunch of balls in the air right now, and I'm having trouble remembering everything, but I think that just about covers it. So, it is time to judge this book the best way there is to judge a book. By its cover. By its cover. Yeah, that's right. I have to say, this is the most romance novel-esque cover yet. Yeah, it's clearly the same artist, but... What's he even doing? He's just standing there? Posing. Yeah. I feel like he's dressed like David Bowie from The Labyrinth. Smoldering. That's what he's doing. <laughs> he's got his like white ruffly shirt. He's got a loose shirt and tight pants. He's, yeah, it is. I have to I have to say that this is also the most triangular iteration of Rand that we've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like his shoulders are significantly wider than his body. He looks like a linebacker, but he's not wearing pads as far as I can tell. He's been working out a lot. Uh, that's true. He's been sword fighting and martial arting all day, every day. Yeah. And I guess it's a drug car in the sky. Oh, I thought maybe that was like his um, his shoulder bat Percival. He has a shoulder bat Percival? Yeah. It, it's in like the, the beginning of the first book. He talks about his shoulder bat that <laughs> just flies around. With they don't mention it much, but it's just following him around all the time. Oh, really? Am I the only one? Who, oh, maybe I have a different version. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one with the words written in by you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all my books have my words written in by me. Is that not normal? Does not everyone have that version? <laughs> Expelliarmus said Harry to his shoulder bat Percival. <laughs> <laughs> so this starts usually these books start with some kind of prophetic poetry, but this one actually starts with a, a children's rhyme from the fourth age, which, if I'm remembering correctly, is the age after this one. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I had to go. I had to go look it up. But it, in the first chapter, not in the prologue, they always say it, in this age that some called the third age. So th this is probably some some kind of oral tradition based on the. The events of this, this book. So it's kind of a spoiler because it means the world doesn't end because there's a fourth age. I get well, no, the world doesn't. That's what changes the age, right? Oh, oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, all right. So it goes: the lions sing and the hills take flight. The moon by day and the sun by night. Blind woman, deaf man, jackdaw, fool. Let the lord of chaos rule. Yeah, which is much more awesome than any children's rhyme that I said when I was a kid. So this chapter is a. I guess an overview of what all's going on in Randland. 
of of our prologue chapters, I think this is one of the more enjoyable. I don't know if it's just because there's so much going on right now. It's enjoyable to see what everyone's up to, or if it's just that he's getting better at it. I don't know, but but mm-hmm. I, I found this prologue, despite well, it being. Very long for a prologue. I think it's because it, it didn't stick around with any one person for longer than a few pages. So it was just enough to remind you what was going on, and then it was off to the next character. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So it starts out with Demandred, who is new, right? Uh, we've we've been heard mentioned. of him, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's a beautiful day in Thrakendar, which we are familiar with because it was the setting for Patton Fane's metal album. <laughs> that's right yeah we recognize it from the cover we yeah. get some amazing visual descriptions here mm-hmm. in this chapter yeah the, the tortured sky the, the lightning striking up from the ground to the sky because uh, Demandred is visiting his boss the Shilagol it's time for his quarterly review yeah you know <laughs> and we learned that it takes a really inconvenient amount of work to make a mirror draw blade yeah this, there's a really charming vignette about a screaming family being taken one by one to be somehow made into mirror draw blades. They don't seem to be happy about it. Yeah, they go into a house and they, just, they scream for a little bit and then then there's a mirror draw blade. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that sucks to be those people, I guess. But yeah. the manager doesn't care. <laughs> He's like, no, nah, that's that's about par for the course. And I guess now there's a mirror draw plus. Yeah. Does a mirror draw being... Shidar Haran. Yeah. Does, does a mirror draw being taller make it any more menacing? Yes. Does it? Yeah, I mean, taller things are always more menacing. I guess. I just feel like a mirror... Like, I just feel like the, the traits that make a mirror draw creepy have nothing to do with how tall they are. Okay, so I want, to ima- I want you to imagine that there's, like, a bug that's this big. Like, a dung beetle that this, that's this big and a dung beetle that's, like, eight feet tall. Which yeah. one would be more menacing? Listeners, she was holding her fingers about an inch apart, which is like the first thing. <laughs> and in the second thing, she, she lifted her hand up above her head. There was no lower elements to her measuring. Yeah. So it's probably assumed to be the floor or maybe the surface of the couch. She did so say, she, was no, no, she said eight feet, so that means the bottom of it must have been below oh, the floor. Well, that's several feet below the floor. Yeah, so because Alice is, spoilers everybody, not eight feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> we call that a radio visual. Thank you well done. But no, okay, that's a, that's a fair point. So a, a three-inch bug versus an eight-foot bug, I guess that... but. So here's I'm more the thing. scared of small bugs because you, you can't keep track of them as easy. Mm, that's true. You'd rather have like a really tall one, just like you open the door. It's like, hey, right. what's up? Yeah, it's like, what's up, tall bug? And he's like, what's up, Jeff? And I was like, <laughs> what'd you knock on my door for? And he's like, oh, I need to borrow a cup of poop because I'm a bug. I eat poop. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, I flushed all my poop. And he's like, yeah, I know, that makes sense. No worries, bro. <laughs> Be like, like, come back in about four hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'll see what I can do for you later, tall bug. <laughs> I would watch that television show. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. Jeff and Tallbug. <laughs> I think we have a crossover though, because they said during the Age of Legends, where they are, it had been an idyllic island in a cool sea. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and now it's and now it's dark and dark, and they have big, creepy, like way too tall, black, monstery things with cloaks and no real faces. What does it remind you of? Living on a dark, cool island. <gasps> Dementors. Dementors. Oh, he's Dementors. Oh, yeah, these, right. this is the future of Dementors. Oh, that's oh, right. So the Harry Potter world is, is one of these ages. Maybe yeah. the fourth age. Mm. Well, no, because it happened before. What, or after. Time is a wheel. <laughs> yeah, the wheel of time turns and ages come and pass. <laughs> the memories that become podcasts. <laughs> as he says in the book. <laughs> he says every time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he meets Shida Haran. And Shida Haran totally creeps him out because... 
he's a super Myrdral. And Myrdral are already pretty creepy. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't think we've seen anything like this before. And and as I've, I think up until now, Myrdral seem to be consistent height because they're like part human, right? So I was my, the first thought I had is what I wonder if there's something else that's made this Myrdral, or they crossbreeding something else, or maybe he's just like extra full of like evil juice. Yeah, I, I wonder. Yeah. Demandred heads down into the pit of doom itself, where he looks up through the, the open area inside the pit of doom and sees a sky that is not the same as the sky outside. Sweet. Which is really cool. Yeah. And talking to the Dark One is really intense. The Dark One talks in the same format as the creator did. Assuming that was the creator at the beginning, the end of the first book. Oh, I thought we were talking about yeah. death in, in, in the Terry Pratchett books. Oh, yeah. All caps, no quotes. Yeah. Like like it's speaking directly through the text of the book instead of being contained in the book. We haven't seen the creator since that book, right? Like it was just that, that brief moment where there's a few random unexplained passages or... Yeah, yeah. within all caps text. Yeah. So yeah. that indicates that whatever the Dark One is, it's on par with the creator. Or that was the Dark One who was talking to Rand in that book. Oh, yeah. yeah right. not, either one is possible. Yeah, no, probably unlikely because I think that I think that it seems like the Dark One is only able to talk around the board right now. Mm-hmm. That's where they were. And uh, he didn't have much interesting to say, which must be why they call it the boar. <laughs> <laughs> Except he offers him second in command. A big promotion. Oh. <laughs> That's right. But it all hinges on his performance in the upcoming uh, company-wide project. Yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, I don't know. Demandred, we haven't seen him much up until now, so I'm not sure what he's been up to, but probably not much of note, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know where he is. They don't, they don't say. Working in the mailroom, maybe? <laughs> working his way up he's golfing with the boss that's right but I noticed the dark one said he gives him some orders basically but he says something interesting the dark one says even I cannot step outside of time that's that was good is that what sense. the dark one sounds like yes that's pretty good yeah but so that that's I thought that was interesting because I always thought the dark one as being something that exists outside the pattern like the creator you know Mm-hmm. which gives him a different perspective of time, a different perspective of anything, you know? Something, you know, Lovecraftian that we can't comprehend, a horror, right? Yeah, it's interesting because we, he, we've, he's, what is he? He's called the Lord of the Grave and Lord of the Dead. So we know that he has dominion over dead things to some degree. Yeah. But but I guess if you're dead by Balefire, then you're not dead in the same way. Yeah, that's right. Balefire beats the Dark One's powers somehow. That's interesting. Which again, Balefire solves all your problems. I know. I know that Maureen gave him like a, a gun safety talk about his his Balefire, but like everything else I've seen so far is really just like well, Balefire all the way, right? Yeah, absolutely. You should be shaving with that. <laughs> That's right. Oh no, there's a fly. Balefire. Yeah, right. No more. I don't know diseases that that fly was going to spread or something. Right. Yeah. You didn't, it didn't spread it a few seconds in the past. Now. That's right. He barfed on your food before, but now your food is unbarfed on. Yeah. The manager gets some mysterious orders from the Dark One. Yeah. We cut to Nynaeve, who is using uh, Slave Mogedian to try and heal Swan and Liane. It's an interesting idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually super excited about this. I think this is a cool setup, and I, and I like the way Nynaeve is approaching it. She's she's bearing, she's, she's being very methodical about it, almost like scientific in her approach. I think it's kind of fun, you know? Mm-hmm. This is this is really interesting. She has her She's running her tests, and she's doing all these different things and you know, trying to approach it in different ways, which I think is cool. And I want to point out that I, I made a list of the um, the recurring themes or tropes 
that we have. We have Nynaeve being angry. Yep. We have her braid. Mm-hmm. We have Swan making a fish metaphor. Oh, that's right. And then we have a dumb power struggle among the women. Oh, yeah. man. This in is those old. first few pages. And then you turn the page and you get, on page nine, you get your first uh, insult about on of men. Oh, right. Did you, did you mark where... She thought about how she likes green dresses because that's Land's favorite color. Oh, yeah, that's right. that happened too. In blue, green and blue. And blue. He likes blue too. Yeah, <laughs> I just like my favorite part about that is the idea is is Land just sitting around like being like, hmm, I sure do like those women in those. <laughs> 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 yeah, how does she Can know that? It's like, yeah, love of my heart. There's one thing I must tell you before we are parted. Maybe never to meet again. My favorite color for a dress is green. But also sometimes blue. <laughs> I like blue too. Yeah. I've known my husband for 20 years and we've never had a conversation about his favorite color dresses. For you to be wearing, right? It's, I mean, hopefully for in me general. to be wearing. Well, I mean, or just in general, right? I mean, like, yeah. I don't know. That is that is a weird factoid for her to know if it is even true. <laughs> I mean, you guys are straight dudes. What's your favorite color for women's dresses? I have no, other, uh, like, literally no preference on what yeah. Bianca is wearing. It never like, occurred to me to think that. Yeah. Ever. Like... The, there Maybe are other things that affect like transparent touche yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah okay other things that affect a dress the only one that would be is if it was transparent I'd be like that's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> okay. was nice. I like that. so it, Elaine and Nynaeve have been uh, pumping more Mogedian for information about you know magic tricks and stuff and then just passing them off as their own to the White Tower which I'm really, I was surprised that that flies, you know, that people would buy that. But then, like, they, they say that, well, actually, it's true that most Aes Sedai know some tricks that nobody else knows. They just don't tell each other because they're all really catty. Yeah, that was actually really frustrating to me. Not not because it seemed unlikely, but that just, that's so inefficient, I guess. For, it, it seems like the kind of thing where skills like that, it's much more beneficial for all the Aes Sedai to be able to do them than for yeah. someone to use it as, like, a... Fail safe or something. Yeah, because they even make the point um, that sometimes this knowledge dies with the Aes Sedai, which yeah. we knew with uh, the Dreamwalker, the original one, Corrine. Or, yeah, Nidale. Yeah. yeah. That must drive the Brown sisters crazy. Except they hold back some stuff, too. I remember that yeah, being Vera a reference. Does. That's yeah. true, yeah. And That's not, a great point. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they, I, it's especially annoying to me because they're basically back into the Dark Ages now. So right. sharing that information is would be really useful. Right. But yes. Elaine and Nynaeve aren't part of this game, so they're just sharing all their secrets. Oh, yeah, here's how you turn invisible. And yeah, look like what one I the, learned. Yeah, one of the Aes Sedai is like, oh, is that how you do it? <laughs> I think they said something like when they were doing the listening trick, this one Aes Sedai picked it up really fast. Yeah, well, we know Maureen can do that, right? Turn invisible? Or could before she melted. Right, before she became puddle goo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, sorry, not turn invisible. Um, listen. listen. She, oh, yeah, yeah. She's, I think that she talked... They, we and see her do Leandrin that. had her weird mind trick that she would use on people. Which Ooh. we know is something that uh, Mulgideon knows how to do much better. Compulsion. Yeah. yeah. But Nynaeve and Elaine are not learning the real the real messed up stuff from Mulgideon. Yeah. I, which I figured they probably should because even if they just want to defend themselves. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, it, I think it's kind of funny and convenient from a plot perspective that Mulgideon shows up right when Asmodian gets... Uh, disappeared or whatever. <laughs> it's like, okay, good. Now we have another Forsaken to give us, you know, future knowledge. Yeah. But Nynaeve hasn't made any progress in healing Swan and Leanne yet. No. Although she does seem to be able to sense the damage, which is something that's new, I think. Yeah, right? I, I'm surprised that the, the Aes Sedai just don't seem curious about new ways to use the power at all. Well, They're too busy doing politics and, and fighting amongst each other. 
I feel like the pursuit of knowledge is is something that is important to some of them, but but maybe they're they are they see it as like a a backseat to their bigger mission, which is you know if they weren't in the middle of like a the, the battle for the end of the world, maybe they'd think about it more. But but I mean, it's certainly stuff that would be useful to them. So I don't know. That I thought it was interesting that they when they put the Adam on Swan and Leanne, they can still they can use it to sense the other woman. But they can't do anything to her, and it it to me that seems like they're like when you're sending packets over the internet. It seems like they can receive packets, but they can't send them, which indicates that like only half the connection has been really cut. Mm-hmm. And she and she, yeah, I mean, she points out that a normal person without without the ability yeah. to channel how would have no effects. They, they can still so. sense the one power; they just can't touch it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's as permanent as they seem to think it is. Well. It, and I think this is something we've discussed in a previous, a previous episode. It, it it surprises me that they are more curious and, and interested in what Nynaeve's doing. I mean, that nobody else wants to do this. And I, I think the conclusion that we came to last time was that uh, essentially it's so taboo that they don't like to study it. But it mm-hmm. just, this is so useful. If somebody gets, you know, stilled or, or, or burned out one way or the other to be able to heal that damage. I mean, people do this by accident to themselves, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if they learn how to heal that, they could, that could be something that could help. Um, I, oh, and also uh, uh, f- another fun thing that's going on is Elaine's working on her her artifact building and she's built these little cloaking discs. I think yeah. that's kind of fun. Yeah, she's made some Terrangrial. Yeah, which we know that she's been trying to, to do for a while, but now I guess she's successful at it. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So I, I felt like, you know, they tried the Adam on Swan and... They're awfully cavalier about a device that sometimes make people die screaming. Do they know that? I mean, we know that because... We know, we, they don't know that yet. Yeah, I know, until <laughs> it happens, right? But if what you are put, you talking about? They, they, some of the shanshans said that it, some, as a game, sometimes the lords and ladies would make men put on the, the bracelet for the Adam, and sometimes they would both die screaming. Okay, Which, but only if a man wears it. No. If a man wears the bracelet. I thought, I thought it was some women that happened to them too. Maybe not. I don't think so. Because the women that can wear it are either Damane or Suldam. You know, they're channelers. Gotcha, gotcha. But if a man puts it on, they, they die. Presumably if but they I, are channelers. So like, that seems like if a damaged channeler comes in and puts on the bracelet, that could have the same effect. But Luckily it didn't, I guess. Luckily it didn't. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. I was uh, interested to, to learn that... Um, this, about those kids, because we, we didn't know who Mogedian was among their party until now, I think, right? And it turns mm-hmm. out it was uh, that that woman who was traveling with them from... Yeah, with uh, the kids. Right. Merrigan. And she mentions that the kids were that way when she found them. And I was yeah. like, great, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, That's, that's kind of sadder. Yeah. yeah. They were already horribly destroyed. They just yeah. got a little too much riot horror in them. Uh, Elaine wants to leave and go rule Andor. But they won't let her go. And I found this to be upsetting because I think she's totally right. They could, she could go rule Andor right now. And that's what she should do. And that's her duty if you believe in such things as the duty of a noble. You know, I, I think that I, I agree with you that that makes sense. But I also think that what they are doing is kind of par for the course for them. They mentioned that they kept Morghese. I mean, we, this is later on. But mm-hmm. I think Morghese mentions they, they kept her in the tower Long after they determined that she was no, she needed no teaching because she could barely channel. But it's more just like the idea of securing her loyalty. 
So I think that's what they're doing is they're trying to like make sure that her ties to them are final before they send her back to Andor. Because if she hasn't taken that oath, then she can yeah. still kind of go off and do her yeah, own thing. If I was her, I would feel like leaving right now. I would, I would quit. You yeah, know, screw them. For sure. Like she has more important things to do right now. Because when more They're, they're not in, even the real White Tower. Yeah, exactly. And when Morghese was in the White Tower when she was younger, um, I'm assuming that the country wasn't in this horrible upheaval. So Yeah, that is I a mean, great point. Yeah, that's exactly where she needs to be right now. Like she needs to, I mean, that might save lives if she goes back and takes a hand at overruling Andor. Mm. Like the place is chaos. Yeah, it's good for the country. It's good for Rand. And I don't know what the Aes Sedai really have to offer her right now. Nothing. Um, she's still. I, I imagine she's still got things to learn that she doesn't know. I mean, she's she's done a lot of independent study that's taught her things, but I imagine that there's still Aes Sedai knowledge that she doesn't have. Then bring them back with her. Bring yeah. some Aes Sedai with her. Mm-hmm. Continue her training and camera. yeah. I find it very frustrating that she's being kept just kind of like fucking around. In Saladar, in the you know, in the middle of the woods somewhere, rather than going home and being a queen. Yeah. Then Elaine and Min find some time to talk about boys. Oh god. Oh no. good. This conversation is a little cringy. Well, they promised they'd always be friends. They'd never let a man come between them. Uh, I know, as they say over and over again, yeah. and then proceed to like fight about a boy. I guess, mm-hmm. but not exactly though. I mean, though, the Gwen does have some some things where she's like, oh, I could just tie her up and turn her invisible and use that inverted thing and put her in a closet. But no, I won't do that because I like men or something. It's, it's <laughs> a weird thing to think, I think. Mm-hmm. Min is being sent to Rand as part of the Little Towers delegation. And they're calling it the Little Tower now. The, the group of Aes Sedai and Saladar, which is pretty funny. Yeah. So, but the, the, where this, where the rubber meets the road here is that means she's going to have first crack at Rand. <laughs> And none of them have or, thought uh, of polygamy yet. Second crack, I guess. Because we know... Uh, uh, what's her name? Avienda. Avienda's already like popped that egg. Oh, Broken that's that, right. Yeah. Popped that, that egg? egg? Cracked that egg. I don't know what she... <laughs> you know, um, put wet, the... Wet his out. whistle? Yeah. Whistled, <laughs> whistled his willy. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Had sex with him. <laughs> Let's just kill him. Just boned his bones. So then we cut to... Fail and Perrin, they're back. Oh yeah. man, yeah, I miss I miss this this duo. Although they were very frustrating for a while. Mm-hmm. That that last time they were around, like, we weren't even in the last book, right? And they were not, Mm-mm, not yeah. at all. So the book before, when we last saw them, I was really growing attached to them, which is right. And so we, we come to Fail holding country court in the new manor uh, that Perrin and Fail live in. Uh, yes, and the, and it's kind of monotonous, I guess. The monotony of governance is not nearly as exciting as killing Trollocs. Well, yeah. Well, Fael is giving law, right? She's they they don't know how to have a, a lord or a lady, I guess, and so she's settling all their disputes that they bring to her. And she's being incredibly capable about it, yeah. too. And it seems like this is a time when she is actually needed because there's so many new people who are coming into the two rivers from elsewhere. And it makes perfect sense, right? Because she was raised as a lady. Like, so this, this is kind of what she was born and trained for, right? Yeah. And her main problem is that Perrin doesn't want to do this. Which, you know, I can't really blame him. He's, he doesn't actually, he probably doesn't, I mean, do you think he has the skill set for this? I wouldn't I imagine think, so. I think it's implied that he does. Remember, he didn't have the skill set to be a the, the leader of the resistance against the Trollocs either. But his taverinness and his uh, two rivers common sense... 
seem to imply that he's really good at this kind of stuff. Okay, yeah. so so maybe he just has like inherent wisdom that would allow him to solve these disputes in the same way. Yeah, Jesus. and even if he didn't, he's got Fael right there. Yeah, and for true. a while he had two eyes to die for what that's worth. Yeah. yeah, but she's very capable, and she's helping with the local economy. Apparently, yeah, Two Rivers is changing a lot. Uh, because they've been depopulated by Trollocs. And also they've got a whole bunch of refugees coming in. Skilled refugees, apparently. Yeah, skilled refugees. They're, all, they're setting up all kinds of shops and, and rebuilding all the homes and working the farms. And it seems like exactly the kind of manpower that they need. Although, of course, there's some friction because the bad Two Rivers folk don't like the immigrants. Yeah, I know. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, how about that? A bunch of racists who hate immigrants are trying to, yeah, like... They, yeah, we want to build a wall. That's... Familiar. How yeah. about that? But anyway, there's a new Terran Ferry. Terran Ferry Part 2. Yeah, oh, that's right. Since everybody Ferry, died. Yeah, all of Terran Ferry got wiped out. So now a bunch of people are living in Terran Ferry. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just, I know this isn't how it happened, but like a lord from Emmons Field comes into power and all the Terran Ferry people die. Uh-huh. Mm. Emmons really, Field people hate Terran Ferry. They really didn't like this Terran Ferry folk. Like there was all this, this last minute rescue of Emmons Field, but there was no last minute rescue of Terran Ferry. Yeah, it was just uh, too huh. late for them, wasn't it? Uh, right? No. Mm. no <laughs> Perrin wouldn't do that. <laughs> but you know who would? Brannibal the Cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I also, I wanted to note that one of the issues that she solves is these two women who are chasing after Will Allseen. Who the we are very guys. familiar with, yeah. And you know how you know he's handsome? He's got very shapely calves. Yes. <laughs> a well-turned calf. <laughs> Every time they say that, like I pause and I'm like, what does that even look like? This is what Robert Jordan likes in a man. <laughs> he, he appreciates a good calf. A guy who... In I a guess, lady's squats. ankle. I have to say that ever since I read that, I've been spending a lot more time looking at my calves and thinking, I wonder if my calves are good calves or not. How, how would I know? I don't know. I mean, like, you know. I bet there's a subreddit for that. <laughs> calves. Evaluate calves. my calves. Yeah. yeah. Rate my calves. <laughs> oh. I like get my calves rated. And there's always, there's always these farmers put it posting livestock pictures on there. And they're like, no, no, no. It's not for that. <laughs> it's for dude's legs. Make it downvoted. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> One of the things that Fahil says here. Is that she has people coming to her asking her about like the weather, you know, because the weather, like the dark one is making the weather bad. Mm. Is, this, is this the first we're hearing of this? Because I, I don't remember this from the last book. Is it something new that they're dealing with? It was hot for a long time, but they didn't explicitly say it was the dark one. Mm -hmm. But now they're all sure it's the dark one, just like they made it winter for a long time in the first book. And she's doing an amazing job just like shutting that shit down. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I hated Fael so, so much, but I actually kind of love her right now mm -hmm. this is great she's so good she's so capable and she's not sitting around thinking about how dumb guys are yeah and how much she hates Perrin right. but also you know loves him or something mm -hmm. hates him till he's inside her <laughs> <laughs> one of the things she says is that nobles provide safety and security which personally I think that's bullshit nobles hold on to power there is no deal the deal is the nobles kill you if you get out of line but Fael seems to believe it yeah, I mean, like, I guess, I guess we see both sorts rec represented in these novels, right? Because we see in Tyr these like these nobles who are abusive and and exploitative, but we also see more gays who seems to have a genuine interest in protecting the people. And yeah, it's it's definitely how Robert Jordan writes it. I just think it's BS in real life. Oh yeah, in well. real life, sure. But in terms of nobles, I think the idea 
like when when I when I first read this, I had this kind of instant knee jerk reaction to file coming in because like who asked her to? Yeah. Do they really need her? But then when he started going into all the detail about all the changes and how like pl- entire towns have been destroyed and everything, it made a lot more sense to me what she was doing there. So in this particular case, they do need some sort of leader. And, and now she's starting to collect taxes. Yeah, collecting taxes, building herself a nice big mansion. Sure, I mean she, it's she's not perfect. She's not an angel, but yeah. she is. Providing some sort of stability and helping the economy. I feel like Branimal the Cannibal, despite his bad habits, was a, a duly elected representative, you know? He had more legitimacy than she did. Well, I mean, Perrin... And it's weird that these people have, have just sort of rolled over and decided they need to be ruled. Yeah, it's probably a Talvarian thing, right? Yeah, that yeah. might explain it. <laughs> I, 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 that was my my thinking when all of a sudden this this skilled labor started showing up. It's like, that's Talvarian, right? I mean, it's like, he's drawing all these useful people to him. Yeah, this just right when he, he needs to rebuild Manetherin. Yeah. Well, speaking of Perrin, he, he feels the pull of Taverin. And so he, he's decided he has to go to Rand. He's just going to bail on his newfound subjects. Yeah, right? Yes. I mean, I guess he doesn't... Did he ever say, yes, I'm the lord? He's no. Only, this whole time he's just like, I'm not a lord. I'm not a lord. <laughs> it, I, I mean, this is a nice house, but I'm not a lord. <laughs> I'm just saying it's very convenient that he really doesn't want to be a lord. And he's like, oh, I guess Rand needs me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guess I'm gonna go now. <laughs> so then we cut to Gawain, who is leading the younglings, uh, the the military group that is derived from the the young people that killed all the warders during the civil war in Tarvalon. Mm-hmm. And he's protecting a tower delegation that's meeting with the Shido. Presumably, they're having a mustache twirling competition. That's right, because oh man, I, the the Shido are the worst. The villains. They're mm. like the what is it? The Aiel equivalent of the Congars and the Coughlins or something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or the Slytherins. They the one that were everyone's the ones that everyone loves to hate. Yeah, these guys are pretty terrible, and now they're meeting with other terrible people. So yeah, so they're doing some kind of deal with the the tower under Elida, which we don't get the details of, but it's something that is intended to defeat Rand. But Gawain knows he's going to Kyrian with the delegation, and uh, he thinks they're going to support Rand, or to declare their support. He's also carrying a torch for Egwene, who... How many times did he meet her? I guess they were in the they tower spent, for a few months together. Yeah, they spent a lot of time together in the tower, but that's, I guess, that's the extent of it. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's Tavera and stuff. Yeah. Uh and then they, they get some news that Morghais was killed by Rand. Yeah, that's going to put a strain on their relationship, isn't it? Yeah, that's rough. They, they could have been bros. Do we know the source of these rumors? Are they just? Is this just something that's trickling through like the the, the telephone think, game or whatever? I think it just makes sense. You know, Morghais was there at the same time. The yeah. next day, well, the next day they're saying Morghais is dead, and then the next day Rand is in charge. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Then we cut to Katerin Sedai. Who's meeting with Savannah, uh, the evil Aiel, who it, you know she's evil because she wears low cut dresses. That's right. <laughs> Which I, you know, that's that's something that's uh, evil. Yeah, and they're evil. Uh, plotting against Rand. And they got some kind of deal. We also learned that Katerine Sedai and Galena Sedai, who is a person we just met, are Black Aja. Man, you can't get rid of these Black Aja. They're like some kind of fungal infection just everywhere. Yeah. But their orders are to take Rand alive. Yeah. Which is, I guess, a good thing. I don't. I, they're, they're not sending enough Aes Sedai to 
shield brand, right? They're not. So what are they? But the wise ones have magic powers too. So not all of them. Some I don't know what their plan is. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I found this actually this this scene a little frustrating because this Aes Sedai is clearly underestimating the Aiel. Yeah. Like, I feel like they have sufficient information to go into this meeting informed. I'm, I'm surprised that this person seems to understand so very little about the Aes Sedai. Well, all wetlanders seem to be this way, especially Aes Sedai. Aes Sedai seem to be very overconfident. I guess so, but like the, the Aiel War was not that long ago. That's true. Yeah, yeah it was only it, like 20 years. And it ended under the slopes of Dragon Mount, like right next to Tarvalon. Yeah, exactly. So you'd think that, it, I mean, I think that we learned that at least one of those people is old enough to have been around for that. I mean, I don't yeah, know. wow. Yeah, it's a good question. Maybe they are just dumb. Yeah, or, or maybe uh, maybe that's just not where they put their skill points. Yeah. And we learned something weird about Savannah, one of the Aiel. It says... A wetlander man had found her at Kinslayer's Dagger. He'd given her a small cube of some hard stone, intricately carved in strange patterns, and told her what to do with it with the aid of a wise one who could channel once Althor was in her hands. Yeah. So it's like a stone Rubik's cube. It's a yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's a, some kind of <laughs> some sort of that's what I saw. Puzzle box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, I guess it's a Terangrial, and we don't know who that was, and we don't know what its purpose is, but it's probably some sort of like. Trap? It could be anything, right? Like, if it's a, I assume it's a Forsaken who gave this to her. Mm-hmm. So it could be like a bomb, right? <laughs> She'd be like, oh, just channeling this and eh, a little solve your problem. Yeah, <laughs> it, it could be. Erases everything in the area. I mean, it could be like a grenade. Yeah, it could be yeah. a grenade. It could be, it could be something to, that'll still him or put him to sleep. I mean, there's no way of knowing it. Yeah, I suppose we'll find out. Yep. So I feel like the new White Tower is. It's kind of arrogant and stupid. I know that's something we discussed before, but it seems like their strategies expect Rand to behave in ways that everyone else does, and yeah. well, he doesn't, right? Like, he clearly doesn't. That's an interesting thing. There's no blues left, and the blues are the ones that go out in the world and deal with people. Mm, that's so, a good point. So maybe they are just like a less informed and less uh, yeah. savvy White Tower now because of their lack of blues. Right. Interesting. So we cut to Morghese, who is a supplicant to Ailron of Amador. Oh man, this guy. Whew. Another terrible noble. Yeah, no, he's the king awful. of Amador, who's kind of useless. I guess he's got an army, but he's not really in charge of Amador because the children of the light are. Yeah, I think I think in the last book we heard someone say that that he's he's essentially there as a figurehead, but he he rules at the 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 whim of Pedro Nial or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's funny because he apparently calls himself the guardian of the Southern Gate. Morghese is like, what the fuck is the Southern Gate? <laughs> southern Gate to what? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. So in this chapter, this is where the descriptions of the heat really started to bother me. Not in like, I'm annoyed by them, just like, it, it sounds so draining and awful oh. to mm-hmm. be so hot. And there's no air conditioning. We know what this feels like, right? Like yeah. having, we live in, in Austin, in the middle of Texas, and, and Texas... Gets what 115, 110 sometimes. Yeah, every, and it'll last for months. Yeah, yeah, every summer for like eight months or so. It, it's like just this <laughs> grinding heat. Yeah, because summer lasts for you know eighty percent of our year. That's right. Yes, yeah. and winter is a favorite day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it is it's 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 unpleasant. It's draining. Like you you really can't be outside when it's that hot outside. Yeah, and they don't they don't have any way to cool down. 
it, unless you're yeah. a noble who has this ice apparently yeah, carts of ice brought to your palace that must be nice yeah and it's like our our climate change future it's just going to get more and more like that the dark ones touch in the world is just carbon dioxide <laughs> <laughs> so talonvor is still all over morgase yeah and he's getting uppity he's trying to maneuver into her pants he's he's real. getting he's getting I mean, he, I already thought he was creepy, but he's continuing to be creepy. I, do you, I, he doesn't read as creepy to me. I don't know. What makes, what, what makes him creepy to you? He's completely bold and doesn't seem to be constrained by any sort of anything. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I'm your queen, like on your knees. And he's like, no, fuck you. I, I, I okay. I see where you're coming from. But honestly, if I were Talonvor in this situation, I would say the same thing because... They're like, they're having a conversation and he's giving her advice. He's like, we should have gone to this other place. This guy seems useless, Mm -hmm. which we learned he actually kind of is useless, right? Mm -hmm. And she's like, her response is, get on your knees right now. And he's like, no. That's that's what I would say. Yeah. This is not a situation where it's appropriate for me to like be on my knees. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's coming across as a little rapey to me. I, I, I think that there is something to that. Like he, he certainly doesn't respect, well, I don't know. I. It's, it's difficult to, to tell how her character is behaving because it's, it's it could be one of those things where she's presenting signals that the author isn't writing, which is apparently something well, that Nynaeve does a lot of. I don't know. But. I think the, the core of it is that he and none of the other people really are respecting her boundaries at all. That's true. But on the other hand, her boundaries are kind of ridiculous because she's not really a queen anymore. I think what makes me really uncomfortable is when they do talk about Talonvor being like, if he is saying something that makes a lot of sense, like you were just alluding to, it's always hand in hand with him having the hots for her. And then there's still a lot of references to her when she was slutting it up, when she was enthralled to, to Gabriel yeah. and Robin. Right. And she does, she does mention that she feels a lot less comfortable dressing a certain way after that. I think she mentions that she's wearing a super high-waisted gown. Uh, high neck. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> she mentions that she's wearing a super high-necked gown. <laughs> I, was, I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know, it's like where the waist is up here. Belt right there. Yeah. <laughs> high-fastening pants. I mean, it, was, but, it was, she was violated. Yeah, she she has been. And, yeah. and while she may have consented to those things, sort of, she was definitely like uh, yeah, not but, able to give consent. But I nobody mean, knows that. Not even her. But doesn't that kind of almost make it worse? I mean, she was essentially being roofied by this guy for a really long time. So Yeah, I guess that, that's why it's complex. Because I, I think he's over the line, way over the line. But he doesn't have any way of knowing it. You know, because her, her lines are in a different place. Because she just got out of this really horrible situation. Yeah. But from her his perspective and her perspective, she just stopped being a super dumbass. Yeah. yeah. It, it just still, it, it, he's still just reminding me of like the frat, frat guy jock who's like, oh, well, she, you know, she's a slut. She has sex with anyone. Mm. So now I'm going to go after her. True. Yeah. I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's approaching it that way, but that uh, might just be. Yeah. I mean, that's my reading of it, but yeah. you, you could convince me otherwise. No, I, I see what you're coming from. Though. I still like her little army with Basil Gill. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And she refers to it as her army and it's, it's kind of adorable, right? <laughs> yeah. Linny. Yeah, her nursemaid. Who is just still my favorite. She's like so saucy, you know? And remind me who Lamguin was. Lamguin is, is the, the bouncer outside of the, the Queen's, what is it? The Queen's Basil Gill's. Basil Gill's uh, tavern. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He used to hang out in the alley, just like scaring off the 
the rebel, the bad rebels or whatever. Yeah, he's okay. a cool dude. Yeah. yeah, and he's got a, a girlfriend, Brienne. Yeah. Who we don't, I don't think we know who she is, right? She's, I don't think she's anybody in particular. She's just somebody, a refugee that a took her. A who yeah. likes him. So Pedro Nial comes in and offers to march her back to Camelin with 5,000 white cloaks. Which <sighs> this offer is very dangerous. She and needs to send them packing. The white cloaks, never a good idea. But this... This is an army, right? She could turn a key and get an army, a good army right now. Except what they don't seem, either of them, to realize is that 5,000 White Cloaks is nowhere near enough. There's well, like 100,000 Aiel. Oh, well, that's a great point. Yeah, so so if you were dealing with, uh, what's his name, Gabriel, 5,000 White Cloaks might cut it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, no, that's not, they're <laughs> yeah. going to walk in and like, like they, they won't even notice that, right? The Aiel will just say, oh, we killed a, a few more people today. You know? <laughs> yeah, there were these guys patrolling around outside, and we, so we killed them, all 5,000 of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were wearing these weird, <laughs> these weird white cloaks. I don't know. But I, I actually thought this was pretty sharp of her. You know, no one would expect her to go to Amadisia. No one would expect her to put herself in control of the white cloaks. But the white cloaks have, you know, a, a strong incentive to help her because they've always wanted to get a foothold in... Amadisia. So this is definitely a Game of Thrones move. It just, it, it feels like the White Cloaks are the kind of people who, the, the strings that, that, that are attached, if they offer you something, it's never worth it. You know, like the, the things that they're going to get from you are way more valuable to them than what you're going to lose. Yeah, but being a queen that is beholden to the White Cloaks is better than being nobody. And she does mention, uh, I think, shortly after that, well, I can always... It'll be bloody and it'll be difficult, but I can oust them afterwards if I need to. Yeah. But but she also doesn't know if what he's saying is even true. And that's very savvy of her, I think, that she, she approaches true. that way. Like, she's not going to trust this guy because yeah. he has a lot to gain by her being, you know, misled. He does point out that Aeloron just wants to bone her, which is pretty sure. That is useful information, and I'm glad that he, you know, presented yeah. that. Because basically... It prevents her from wasting a lot of time because she we, she knows she's not going to do that. But you know, at least this way, she's not going to be rocking up that. Tree. Why isn't she going to do that? Well, if, if it was the case that she could get the army by doing that, that seems like a pretty good play. Uh, it's it's possible, but in coming out of the situation that she came out of, she's probably feeling pretty. Uh, oh, that's a good point. Raw yeah. about that kind of thing. Yeah. So then she gets another visitor, and Andorin from Jen, whose uncle's from Four Kings. Who sneaks in to offer her help this as a loyal Andorra. This is too convenient. This makes me super suspicious. Okay. I didn't look it up. Is this that dark friend that the the one in fancy clothes that came on to Rand and Matt in the first book? Oh. Because remember, Four Kings is this is the town where Rand made the lightning bolt blow up the inn mm-hmm. to escape. Oh, I don't know. It could be, I guess. Wow, that'd be a crazy callback. In which case, this dude is a dark friend. Yeah, you know that that would make a lot of sense. I, I thought maybe his broken nose was because I can't remember. Did they break that guy's nose? Oh, maybe. Oh have man, you might be look. right. Yeah, we'll have to look that up. Yeah, right. Because like, that's that's super sketch, right? At some Andorran just shows up. So Morgase must decide: the useless king who wants to bone her, the evil white cloak, or mystery option number three. Yeah. Yeah. I, I... I, I mean, I, I feel like going and chatting with Rand is the best thing that she could do, but she doesn't know that yet. Yeah. So then we, we get a look at what Pedro Nial is up to. And this is actually pretty interesting because I, I kind of assume all white cloaks are dark friends. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them are, for sure. But this guy's not. This guy's a true believer. Yep. He believes true. what he's saying is true. He believes what he's doing is the right thing. 
he believes that he's actually helping the to to prepare for the end of the world because he yeah. he's not saying it's not coming. He's just saying that Grand is the way to handle it. Yeah, he doesn't think the dragon is important. He thinks the dragon has to be stopped. Yeah, and he knows about Saladar. He just doesn't think it's important to deal with the Aes Sedai yet. Yeah, that surprised me. Yeah, because I thought I I I mean we knew it was kind of a lame secret, Sally Dara, but <laughs> yeah. apparently it's even better known than we realized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I'm not sure I believe that they shouldn't do something about that. You know, if if I were the White Cloaks, that seems like a really uh, powerful move to like wipe out this huge chunk of Aes yeah. Sedai, right? On one hand, killing Aes Sedai is a, an alloyed good for them. On the other hand, that would win the civil war for one side of the White Tower, and they want the civil war to hurt them more. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. They want them to continue to fight each other, and he may also think that the Tower in Exile isn't, doesn't have enough power for it to be worthwhile to that's, bother. That's a fair point. But uh, I guess instead he's going to he's going to send Jaichim Karadin to go... Like, essentially what he did already, right? He did, Didn't he do something like this in um, Terrible? Is it Terrible? Where he was dressing white cloaks yeah. as, as the enemy soldiers. A to false like, flag. Yeah. So he's doing a, he's planning on a false flag of dragon supporters. And, yeah. To try and unify everybody against Rand. Yeah. Which has always been his plan. I like when he says, I thought I was going to let Rand go as, you know, a lion to, to unify all the, the villagers against the lion. But then the lion turned into a giant that moves around like lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The teleportation thing is super clutch. Yeah. That's, that's freaking everybody out. <laughs> How are you getting Camelot so fast? Yeah. And Jaya Jim Carradine is super dark friend. Yeah, he's like real bad, real nasty bad. And he's like, not even just a a dark friend, he's also like an unabashedly evil white cloak, right? Like he's like one of the torture... The Inquisitors. The Inquisitors, yeah. Yeah, he is. Like the worst. So speaking of evil, we cut back to Demandred meeting with Masana, Semirhaj, and Grindel. You know, I am really starting to enjoy these Forsaken scenes. I know, they're great. <laughs> you know, we get to learn about the Forsaken's hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> we know that we learned that uh what's her name? Uh have we met Semiraj likes doing embroidery. You know, <laughs> yeah. so she works in the tiny little things to make the large the labyrinthine patterns and Misana yeah. likes um Dominoes, basically? No, yeah. she's building domino towers, like reverse. Yeah. She's like an architect. Yeah, She prided herself on doing this purely with the knowledge of stressors and leverage, not a thread of the power. Yeah, she's building towers that get bigger and Yeah, smaller, we've got like some metaphors in. going on here. Yeah, so it's fun. This uh, half explains the thing I've been wondering was why the Forsaken spend so much time on interior decorating. Because they're bored. They have a lot of free time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, okay, but that, okay. That actually makes sense, right? Because they come from a time when probably most of their time was leisure, right? Like they live in a, in a super paradise where all they were doing was just whatever they well, wanted. I guess all I day. thought they were all doing research with the one power or inventing amazing things. Not Masana, though. She didn't get tenure. <laughs> she didn't make the cut. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, she didn't. She get was tenure. denied a place for research. They told her she couldn't research, but she could still teach. And she's like, oh, fuck you. So, tell me, Alice. This is great. If, if you were denied tenure at a, at a research institution, would you turn to the great lord? I, f- I can't think of anything funny to answer that. No, I would not. <laughs> but all I want to do is teach. I don't want to do research. That sounds great. She probably doesn't have to do the whole, like, publishing thing then if she's not doing research it's oh, that's great true. she doesn't just, have to publish her parish yeah there you go she just teaches her classes you know inspires young minds <laughs> sounds pretty good to me yeah 
Is this our first time seeing her? Like, I know that we've yes. heard of Grendel and we've heard of uh, Simiraj, but I don't believe we've heard of Masana before. Maybe she was name. mentioned. Yeah. Her was, name okay. has been mentioned. But yeah, this is the first time we've actually met the two of them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so she she had no fallback school. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Her fallback Fuck was... it, I'm going to go to a second tier university now. <laughs> no, she I says... I do research anyway. She says, um, unsuited for research, they had told her that she could still teach. Well, she had taught until she found a way to teach them all. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> that's a little serious. That's awesome. I, I like how sensitive she is about it. I mean, it's been... Literally three thousand years. <laughs> still, still hurts a little and bit. And Grendel is still like, oh, "Oh, you're so good at lecturing. You should teach." Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> and it totally like gets to her. I don't understand why Robert Jordan's shitting on professors who just want to teach. <laughs> Maybe he had a bad teacher. Anyway, I think it's always fun seeing how the various Forsaken are characterized yeah. when they're groups together. I really like how snipey they are with each other. Yeah, they're just like. Really, they, they've known each other for thousands of years, right? So they're, they're kind of like siblings who just like really can't stand each other a little so that they yeah. know how to get to each other. It's, yeah, it's right. funny. And they, so they're just sitting around getting under each other's skin. And Samael didn't come because he's too scared. Yeah, of, of them, of himself. He doesn't trust anyone. Which I, I would be scared too, right? They, they had a whole, remember the Forsaken? They had this whole plot and now two of them are dead yeah, that's right, because both Lanfear and Robin were killed in short order. Yeah, who, right. Who was left? It was Semiel and who was the other Grendel. one? Grendel. Grendel, that's right, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 yeah. these these chap these sections and chapters are always a lot of fun for me. And I liked I liked all this stuff. I liked how Semiraj is bigger than you think she is. Yeah. She's like very tall. She's taller than most men, apparently. But but she's proportioned such that she doesn't look super tall until she stands right next to you and then she's taller than you. <laughs> Which is that's funny because that's what that's what they said about Moraine, except the opposite. You didn't realize how tiny she was because she was so well proportioned. They said that at some point. Mm, yeah. And Demandred is jealous of Luz Theron Telemon. They so yeah, it's interesting. They they say that he's actually just slightly below Luz Theron, which I guess that means he's Actually pretty strong. Yeah, he must be very strong. Yeah, it was just his bad luck to be born at the same time as somebody who was even yeah. more... A day later. Than Luke yeah, a day later. And he's like slightly shorter and his accomplishments are just slightly not as good. I don't know, that might drive me crazy. That's true. I get that, yeah. He's, he, apparently, except for Luce Theron, he would have been like the greatest uh, mind of his age. Mm-hmm. Except yeah. for Luce Theron. Yeah. That would suck. But we learned about something called a stasis box which i didn't know about i guess it's i i I, from what i imagine it's maybe something that keeps you alive instead of no matter what that i don't know i thought it was just a place where you would put stuff that you put stuff in yeah so it's it's like it's like a a chest that keeps things from molding or whatever stops time or something yeah it yeah it would survive the breaking of the world but they make the point that we don't that the world changed so much that it could could be be at the bottom of the ocean yeah yeah i wonder i wonder if we've seen a stasis box and we just don't know about it I it, wonder, was it, the Horn of Valir in a stasis box? Oh, maybe. It was oh, in a special box, wasn't it? It could have been. Yeah, it's possible. Interesting. And then we get a message from the Dark One, right? Yeah, we get learn a little bit about the Dark Lord's plan. Sorry, the Great Lord and the Dark One. I got it mixed up. Yeah, the Great Lord's plan. <laughs> Let the Lord of Chaos rule, which is not actionable instruction. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like hands off, let him do his thing. Is that Although the idea? I guess, I guess they all freak out. They all seem to know what he's talking about. The Lord of Chaos is Rand, right? Like we yes, assume. The yeah, dragon his, is the Lord of Chaos. One of his uh, epithets. Right. Yeah. Like I think it's Lord of Chaos, the Breaker of Chain. Yeah. The Lord of the Morning, 
uh, the party train. Right. <laughs> Come on, riding train, just shoot you right in. <laughs> like, as, as the dragon song goes. <laughs> that's going to be one of the... It's going to be one of the poetry at the beginning of one of these books. Woo, woo. <laughs> and we don't know where, and that's still a big secret, where Masana and Semiraj and Grendel physically are in we this world, know. right? Because Masana said, you know, we just have to wait a bit and then he'll be where I can get him. What does that even mean? I, th- I think she's in the White Tower. You think so? That's what I think. Oh. I mean, they have not said that, but... You know, uh, Demandrid looks at Masana and Samirhaj and says, you know, where, where you guys have placed yourself, uh, you know, you should know all about what's going on with Rand. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But we don't find out where that is because this is cryptic. Yeah. In fact, we don't even find out what the Dark One's message is because half of it is, let the Lord of Chaos rule. And then it says, and then they heard something that made them go like this. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't find out what that is. <laughs> It annoys the crap out of me, actually. <laughs> it's, it's foreshadowing. I know, I know. I just hate these half the half stories. I, just tell me. I think it's cool. I, mean, I love that the Forsaken meetings have all been pretty great. I was a little sad that they didn't have uh, custom chairs. Yeah, that was... That, <laughs> that was, was pretty great. I but they had the their custom. hobbies, so... They did. That was cool, too. That yeah. was really cool. <laughs> Needlepoint and building with dominoes. All right, and then we get a little bit. You didn't like the cryptic stuff. Let's talk about this. I know. I was so confused. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was like, "Are these? Po- is this supposed to be someone we know who it is? Is this not? So- is because we like? Okay. Presumably, this is a forsaken, and it's probably a forsaken that's been killed already. Was it a forsaken that we've met? Is this a forsaken that died before this, these books even started? Yeah. So two characters show up: Osengar and Arangar, and these are not their original names. We and don't know or their, their bodies. Or their original bodies. They appear, it's implied that they were dead. And that the great lord of the dark, the lord of the grave, and so forth, has brought them back in these new bodies. And they're, you know, adjusting to their new bodies and their new situation when Shaidar Haran shows up and chokes them a bit and gives them some instructions. <laughs> you know, every time I, we talk about this, I just feel like working for the Dark One isn't the greatest thing in the world, you know? Well, they... They're not dead. Yeah, they got some sweet-ass new bodies. Asengar's got a great perspective on this. That is a great point. It's like, you know, the alternative, right? Because Arangar is having trouble adapting, which I think implies that this person was not a woman before. That's what I was wondering. And that made me wonder if maybe it was the... Those two Forsaken who die in the first book, whose names I can barely remember. Yeah, I don't know. Agonor or... Agonor and Balthamel. Yeah, so maybe it's them? I don't know. Uh, Yeah, what we knew about Balthamel was that he was like a... He loved the pleasures of the flesh. And I... And Agonor, we, what we know about him is that he was involved in creating, like, genetically engineering the Darkspawn. Mm. So, but it, we, we, it's not for sure who these people are. Yeah. But Asengar is, like, he's adapting really quick. He's like, oh, this is weird. I don't like this situation. But, hey, I'm not dead. <laughs> I like not being dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, Shida Haran gives him some orders. We don't find out what the orders are. No. And we don't even know. They think, I think Asengar thinks of himself as a Chosen. So we we're, we know they're forsaken. Oh yeah, because he says we tries to order. Uh, what's his face? Shida Haran. Shida Haran. He tries to give Shida Haran order, and Shida the, Haran just like ignores him. Mirdal. Mirdal. I like. I like. Is that better than Mirdal Plus? Mirdal Plus. Mirdal Plus is good. Yeah. Mirdal. Mirdal. Mega Mirdal. The evolved version of Mirdal. I don't know. So I guess we'll find out more about Asengar and Arangar. I don't. I didn't think that uh, Aaron Gar. The idea was that Aaron Gar had been a man and was now oh, a really? woman. I didn't read that at all. 
Because there's also a comparison made to Lanfear. That's right. Okay, so maybe it's just like not as spicy smelling a body as she well she's not as not as down with whatever it is going on because the only reason she attacks is because she realizes that she's shielded from the power reaching the power and that's why she attacks mirror plus see i I thought osengar said something like what a good joke to put that person in that body Uh, uh, yeah it does say something like that i think but i don't know unclear there was one line i liked in there where before he leaves them shida haran smiles and it was like seeing death smile. Pretty cool. Yeah. We, we get, didn't get any cool descriptions of his voice, sadly. I think there's a little bit. They talk about him like, it's voices of viper rustling in dry grass. Oh, nice. That's good. Yeah, it was in there. Yeah. His ah. voice was like the feel of someone licking the back of your neck in a movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very evocative <laughs> and gross. That's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters one through four of Lord of Chaos. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Michael Spartan. I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash armadillo podcasting club. Please like us in real life. We're super likable. <laughs> Until next time. The, the light, light illumine you. you.